Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. 2020 has been a year like no other, and before we begin the show today, I want to acknowledge that while we've just completed a difficult and very close presidential election, our focus remains squarely on providing hospital executives with the insight and perspectives they need to run their organizations successfully. And while some legal challenges are still present related to the vote, we will be talking today on the basis that Joe Biden has prevailed in the election and to discuss how healthcare could be affected at the federal level in the coming months. I'm joined by Mike Marola, founding partner of Winning Strategies Washington, a leading government relations firm based in Washington, D.C. that specializes in hospital issues. Michael, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Michael. It's great to be with you uh, after last week's historic vote. Glad to have you back. You always provide uh, great perspectives uh, on on these many issues. So I'm excited to talk with you today. Um, I, I guess first off, you know, right now healthcare, the, the discussion is dominated by COVID, right? I mean, that is, I, I guess, the number one healthcare issue at the moment. What can we expect once a transition has taken place? Sure. So I think uh, it's going to be at the top of the agenda for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, Congress just started a lame duck session today. Both Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell in the House and Senate, respectively, different parties have both said they want to have another COVID stimulus bill um, done before they all go home for the holidays. I think um, in light of the mixed election results, uh, you're probably going to see something that's on the skinnier side, you know, closer to the Senate's $500 billion number, then the House's $2 trillion um, number. And then I think we'll have to see how the economy and the markets react early in uh, President Biden's uh, tenure to see if they um, revisit that. So I don't know if it's six months or another year um, at this point, but you know it'll depend on whether or not the vaccine is working, how quickly it can be distributed. Um, but I, I think, um, you know, hospitals are going to have to, in, in addition to making sure they have the resources um, to care for COVID patients, they're going to have to be prepared to re-engage on a whole slew of um, provider reimbursement cuts that are likely to continue apace no matter who uh, is controlling the administration. Mike, President-elect Biden has said he seeks to expand government-subsidized insurance coverage with a new public option like Medicare uh, and add premium tax credits to make certain plans more affordable. Can you tell us about these priorities and how they might practically get done? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, you know, I'm a Democrat um, and I, uh, I I know that the party um, views um, its inability to get a public option done when they passed Obamacare is sort of one of their great regrets. I really I'm very skeptical at this point that they're going to be able uh, to get that done, you know, with with even more Republicans in the House and uh, and Republicans controlling the Senate. I think we've got to sort of refocus our aspirations downward um, significantly, look look for much more incremental change um, on that front. 
you know, maybe something on 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 the tax side though, on tax credits, um, you know, that may be something that both sides um, uh, can agree on. But um, I think it's going to be a really of uh, at least two years until the midterms to see if we can do some of the more ambitious items. Mm. So, um, speaking of taxes, President-elect Biden wants to bring back the ACA's tax penalty for failing to purchase health insurance that was taken away in 2017. Um, what is he looking to accomplish by doing that? Sure. I think, I think two things. Um, the first one is the most basic, right? Just to have it as an incentive that folks will actually buy the exchange health insurance so that someone doesn't have to pay the fine. That's tied to this whole issue of adverse selection, you know, preventing the insurance companies from the old practice of rejecting older and sicker beneficiaries and only offering their products to healthier folks. Obamacare was trying to get more younger and healthier people into the insurance market to help spread the cost over more folks. Um, and then second, the tax is really the key reason that the Affordable Care Act was considered um, by the Supreme Court to be constitutional. Taxation is within the power of Congress and was a key component of the law. So when the Supreme Court first upheld it in 2012, the majority opinion written by uh, Chief Justice John Roberts said that the individual mandate was a legitimate exercise of Congress's taxing authority. Um, and because the high court found that the penalty for not having coverage is a tax and not a fee, it ruled that Congress had the constitutional authority to impose um, such a levy. So, um, you know, the the five that five to four decision basically concluded that Congress can tax you for failing to acquire insurance, and therefore the mandate was constitutional. Um, so I think I think that's what he's hoping to accomplish. And that's a, a good bridge to the next question I have for you, because a case is heading to the Supreme Court on November 10th. That could determine whether or not the ACA is struck down because the tax penalty was eliminated in 2017. Um, the outcome of that case probably won't happen until June. But what could right. happen um, if the ACA is struck down? Sure. So I think, um, you know, we'll have a much clearer sense of the justices thinking next Tuesday, which will give us a better sense of what's about to happen to 20 million people's health insurance. Um, so let, let me focus on that uh, first and foremost, because I, I think most folks think, um, you know, they will rule against the mandate and then this whole issue of severability, right? Does that mean that the entire rest of the law has to, has to fall away as well? So, you know, presuming it does, you know, the, the the impact on millions of Americans' lives is going to be significant and adverse. So you'll have 20 million people lose their insurance. You've got 133 million people um, with pre-existing um, conditions, and then tens of millions more um, who who were able to take advantage of the of the Medicaid expansion. So um, really, really a terrible impact um, on on folks all across the country, Democrats um, and Republicans. Um, so that some type of legislative um, solution is going to be required because I think the chaos in the market will, will be tremendous. Um, you're going to have both health care providers and health insurance have tremendous uncertainty. 
um, in their payments. A lot of your clients have, you know, invested in accountable care organizations. What happens with them? Um, it's just, you know, you can go on down the list. Um, it, I think it's going to be a real nightmare um, across the board if that happens. And, you know, again, the, because um, with divided government, I think there there will be an opportunity for folks to come together sort of around the margins. Um, you know, you've heard a lot of Republicans talk about how we have to protect folks with pre-existing conditions. But, you know, what that really means in terms of if they're willing to spend their political capital on certain policies is is to be determined. So I'm I'm really nervous about the decision. Mike, there are several other healthcare related priorities that Biden espoused during the campaign, uh, anywhere from surprise billing to drug pricing and even even market concentration across the healthcare system and wanting to look at that. Which ones do you think they might pursue initially? Sure. You know, of the three that you referenced, I think drug pricing is probably the only one that there's enough common ground. Um, and that would be a, that he'd have he'd have a pretty big win. I mean, that's something that both the president um, and Biden campaigned on. And there are bills in both the House and Senate. Um, and so there there is a pathway to a compromise there. The Republican bill is a little bit more um sort of market oriented and the the democratic bill not surprising is more you know government oriented in terms of how you get uh the the price of drugs down but you know they they were unable to pass the price billing um uh this congress uh that has proven to be very controversial the approach that they're taking and i think you know the market concentration issue just smacks of partisanship um and so I think uh, they'd be wise to focus on something like drug pricing. Yeah. Well, as usual, healthcare is uh, has no lack of issues to be tackled, and uh, we'll certainly see a different approach and, and some different priorities in the years to come. Mike, as always, you provided some great insights today. I know we've just touched the surface, but it's always great having you back and look forward to having you back again uh, as there are more developments to discuss. Thanks so much. Thank you, Michael. Be well. You too. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.